listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Please turn in your pew Bibles uh, to page 902. The scripture this morning comes from John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18 through 16, verse 4. It's page 902 in your pew Bibles. Before we read, we'll pray for the Holy Spirit to um, illumine his work. Let's pray. Father God, as we read the words on this page, Father, I just pray that we would not read them like we read any other book, um, but that your spirit that you've given us would cause the words on this page to, to prick our hearts and change our lives so that we could be a light in a dark world and that the words would cause us to be able to live with a peace and a joy that only comes from knowing you and knowing these words. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, remember that the world hates you. And remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you that you will keep from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. I've been serving on um, uh, the ministerial committee for our presbytery. This is the the committee that uh, oversees uh, people who want to become pastors, kind of guides them through the process, examines them, asks them questions. And we met 
um, uh, this past or Friday, and and um, one of the the guys said something that I've heard very often. I've heard some of you say it. Um, it's fairly common. He said he talked about how after he became a believer, after somebody shared the gospel with him about his sin and need for Christ and um, how to trust in Jesus, that he he believed and immediately he wanted to go share it with his friends. And, and with his family, and, and um, he said that what he expected to happen, this is what I've heard from several people, is that if they, when they just hear, they'll respond in the same way I did. They'll think it's the wonderful news, and they'll trust that they just haven't heard this before. And he said it, it was you know, just kind of an amazing that, that when he went and when he, when he would share, uh, they didn't quite receive it with the same warmth and joy and uh, trust that he did. Uh, that, that is often the case, that we get excited about the gospel, we share it with others, and we recognize they don't. And, and some that can lead to kind of a, um, uh, you know, why, why share anymore? Uh, for some, that can kind of uh, lead to um, a dulling of your enthusiasm when you realize people don't receive it with as much joy uh, as we do. But Jesus tells us to expect that. Jesus tells us we shouldn't be surprised that everyone doesn't hear the gospel with joy. He tells us, if the world hates you, know it hated me before I hated you, uh, before it hated you. If you, of the, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In other words, if you are trusting in the good news and if you're sharing that good news and if you're living under the authority of Jesus don't be surprised when people reject you don't be surprised if you follow Jesus that people treat you in the same way they treated Jesus they rejected him they even crucified him and, and he tells us that if we're with him, that to expect that, because it wasn't just this group of people who rejected Jesus, it was the world. Now, when John uses the term world, he's not talking about God's good creation. When John uses the term world, what he means is the fallenness of this world, the, the, all of the systems and structures and the people that are rejecting God and, and looking at for themselves. It's all of fallen humanity. So what he means is, it's not just this one group of people that, you know, if Jesus had just chosen the right time, they wouldn't have rejected him. The thing is, it's this world that rejects him. It's the world that crucifies. It's the world that hates who he is and what he stands for because the world wants its own way and the world wants to be in control. And so we should not be surprised when others around us who are really part of the world, whether or not they have a membership in a church or regardless of that, if they're truly in the world and not trusting in Jesus, don't be surprised if they hate you and if they reject you and if they mock you, and if they do all the things that they did to Jesus because he is not of the world. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness doesn't overcome it. It doesn't understand it. Doesn't receive it. Rejects it. 
And so even though we are created by him, we still rebel against him unless we have been chosen out of this world. And so um, we, we recognize that he, he tells us that we have, been, we have been chosen for good works. And then he tells us that being chosen for that means you're chosen to be distinct from the world. You have now been separated. Paul says that he has taken us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. That we, um, we are no longer children of Adam, but we're children of Christ. We're no longer part of the kingdom of the, the evil one, but we are now in his kingdom. We are now with him. That means there is a distinction. There's a difference. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm just adding commentary to the children's message. That's exactly right. We're just to be, we have been made distinct. If we are to be with him who is not of the world, that means we're not going to be like everybody else if we're truly following Christ. That there is going to be something about us that is distinctive, that separates us, that, that does not look like others. And but that means the others, the, the, the world, those who do not follow Christ will hate you. And it doesn't mean there's, I mean, I think we say hate, we think of a whole lot of emotion with that. Usually it's not. Usually it's just, those people are weird. They can go do their thing, just leave me alone. We're getting to a time where there's more emotion. Um, uh, there's more outrage about things Christians stand for, and we're beginning to kind of feel more of that tension. But the truth is, through all time, in all places, the world hates God's people. And we shouldn't be um, uh, surprised when that happens. He tells us the reason of that is because he exposes their sinfulness. He said, I, I came and I did these good works. Um, I spoke the truth. And if I hadn't spoken to them, if I hadn't done these good works, um, they wouldn't be guilty of their sin. In other words, the, the guilt wouldn't been realized. But it is in his teaching that they reject. It's in his good work as they reject. It exposes that they don't want anything to do with God because Jesus is from God. And, and exposes their guilt, exposes their sin. And that's the same thing that happens for believers who follow under the obedience of Christ. You know, I, I honestly, I've, I've uh, my whole life, I've heard of people talking about Christians who shove things down people's throats. And honestly, most churches I've been in, it, it, most people are just way too wimpy to shove anything down anybody's throats. I, I really don't see a lot of Christians acting the way that people say they do. I mean, there are there. I mean, there, there, I, you'll find some, and there, there can be a self-righteousness. But the truth is, it's people who are sensitive to somebody else who's living under the obedience of God that they're going to find something wrong with them. I mean, don't get me wrong, the church has plenty of jerks. I mean, I'm, and we've done a lot of wrong things. But, but there's a, kind of this, this idea that if somebody else even speaks the truth, they're being hateful. If somebody else just lives their life in obedience to Christ, you know, oh, they're self-right. There's, there's a sense we feel condemned by that, and we hate it and reject it and rebel against it because it exposes the fact that we aren't under God's rule. It exposes our own guilt and our sinfulness, and, and so the world is going to reject that and attack that and persecute that, even at times to the point of killing. 
Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. That wasn't just at the time of Jesus. It wasn't just time of the Roman Empire. It was last week in Nigeria. It's now in China, in Kenya, other parts of Pakistan. Christians, churches are being burned by people who think they're worshiping Allah. They're taking Christians and decapitating them on the beach, thinking they're offering a sacrifice to Allah. Our brothers and sisters are being persecuted throughout the world. We've gone through the worst century of persecution in church history. Media doesn't think it's quite as important as whatever the Kardashians are doing or what outrage about a restaurant. But it happens. We have brothers and sisters suffering because they're not of the world. They've been taken out of the world and they have been attacked. And so, in some sense, I think we, we realize you know, we, we are to be hated, but we, we're not at that point of, of, of what brothers and sisters are. And yet, it should call us to ask ourselves, are we living distinct enough that those who follow the world do hate us the way they hate Jesus? You know, are, are, we, are we willing to um, endure the things that Jesus says any true follower will endure? You know, the, the Christian church in America has just, I think one of the great weaknesses is we think that following God means <laughs> blessings in this life and being accepted by people. I can't tell you how often I've had people sharing about how church growth and, and um, um, you know, sharing the gospel where the idea that, you know, what the church really needs to do is just be clear. We're not communicating properly, and we need to learn the language of this generation to be clear about what God is. And if we're just clear, and if we do it right, and if we get the technique, people will flood and want to be part of what we're doing. But Jesus says, you will be hated because you're clear. They rejected Jesus because he communicated perfectly. It wasn't a matter of being misunderstood. They knew who he was and who he represented and what he was calling them to be and do, and they killed him. So it's not a matter of getting the... I mean, we obviously want to be clear. We obviously want to um, be persuasive, and, and, and we want to communicate as, as well as we can, but he tells us when we communicate that clearly, that's going to lead to hatred and rejection and people uh, leaving and rejecting and despising you. Because it's clear, because they know who he is and who you are. And so, for the church, that means the work that we are to do is simply bear witness. In other words, Jesus says, if you, if you give the message, they're going to reject you. That means the response of people we share the good news with isn't up to us. Whether someone accepts or rejects is not ultimately up to us. It's not because we've been persuasive enough. It's not because um, you know, we've, we've put the right programs in and you know, we, we've built the right things and you know, we, we've gone through the steps that kind of <laughs> lead to people making decisions. 
in one sense, for people to reject and hate is as much a work uh, that is what God's calling to do in making that distinction as when those come to believe and to trust. And so our job is to be faithful witnesses, not to be responsible. And so when you share the message with others, when you have opportunities to live in a way that shows that you are obedient to the Father, when, when you have opportunities to share a word of God, uh, encouragement and hope and love with your friends and neighbors, when you have a, a chance to lay out what the gospel means, that means you can do so knowing that what the person's decision is isn't up to you. Your job is just to be faithful to the message Jesus gives us to do. That's what a witness does. A witness just tells what they know. It's not our job to, to kind of change parts of Scripture that we think people might find more offensive. It's not our job to um, you know, work on somebody's emotion to make them do something. Our job is simply to explain the Word and to bear witness and, and trust because, verse 26, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness. I love that you also. I, I get nervous sharing the message with people. I, I, I know there's a, you know, how do you do that? How do you lead to spiritual things? How, how do you, and, and it's a wonderful thing to know that whatever we do is just a, and you also. You're a witness, but you're just a you also witness. The real witness is the Holy Spirit. The helper comes, he will bear witness. That means whenever you're talking to someone, you're just a you also after the Holy Spirit has already been working in someone's life. The Holy Spirit is the true witness. The Holy Spirit is the one who is effective, the one who leads people to faith, to, to convict their sin, to show things. And whatever words you are using, you're just a you also. It's the Spirit that does the work. We are just kind of wonderfully brought into the work that He's doing. Do you see how, how much of a relief it is to know that we, we don't have to bear the burden of people's response? We know that people are going to reject it. But there's going to be some who the Spirit works in to bear witness that leads them to receive Christ and to, to bring them joy and peace and forgiveness. So we bear witness, we work, trusting in the work of that Spirit. We also do so um, trusting in the one who's told us this is coming. Um, Jesus is telling this to the disciples before he goes to the cross. He's about to suffer, and so he, he tells them, you know, get ready. Difficulties are going to come. And we, we recognize that when we face that difficulty, it's because he was right. And so we continue to bear witness, realizing that we are trusting in him who overcame the world. The one who did this was crucified by the world but he rose again he is victorious he overcomes and so we who are part of his family we who are not in this world that we have been taken out of the world that is being judged that is being condemned we are with him 
who overcomes all. We're with Him who was raised again from the dead. We are the people that whatever hatred and rejection and persecution arises, we're already victorious. You realize what incredible power that is if we get this message? You see, most of us are looking to the world for our value and our acceptance and our sense of worth. Even as Christians, there's the temptation. I mean, you know, I'll confess, there's a pastoral sin of, oh, that church is bigger. That church has... Expansion onto their 1924 building, <laughs> nicer carpet. There, there's, there's always these things in the world that we can look at and think, you know, that the world is what's great. You know, that that's we we can look and say, well, they're doing well. They're they're being blessed. They're being accepted. They're they're great. And we we look to others to think, oh, we we like you. You know, we're glad you're here. Boy, that's much better than being rejected. But if you recognize that we can expect that the world will hate us, therefore we don't look at the world. We look to Christ who overcame the world. What incredible power to go out to our neighbors, to love them and to serve them, to wish what's best for them, to want them to be in a relationship with Christ, to want them to flourish and live life to its fullness. And the way we can do that and serve them and love them and love Covington in a way that will really make a difference is if we know some are going to reject us, but we don't care. And some are going to hate us, but we don't care. Because we're not looking to them. We're looking for their best, but we're looking to Christ who's already received us and accepted us and has overcome the world. Let us pray. Lord, help us to be faithful witnesses. Help us to expect those who do not love You to not love us. Help us to love them still. Help us to serve them still. But help us to always look to You uh, for our value, acceptance, and grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.